Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. College baseball fans, it's time for the D1 Baseball Podcast with Mike Rooney, Aaron Fitt, and Kendall Rogers. Let's win every podcast. Now, here's the pride of the Newtown Edgemont Little League, Coach Rooney. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the D1 Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Patrick Rooney. Today's episode brought to us, as always, by our good friends at S2 Cognition. S2 Cognition (laughs) delivers a revolutionary approach to helping athletes understand how in-game decisions impact their performance from youth levels all the way to the pros. Cognition is a lot for someone like me to pronounce, but it's also a very important word because you're talking about swing decisions. And it doesn't matter how good the athlete is, doesn't matter how toolsy the hitter is, if we're swinging at the balls and we're taking the strikes, no bueno. So uh, the guys at S2 are incredible as far as Hey, why am I making the swing decisions that I'm making? Uh, am, am I good? Am I bad? Am I in the middle? And, and how do I create a training program around that? So if you've got a son or daughter that plays baseball or softball, um, if you are that person, can't recommend the guys at S2 Cognition enough. Speaking of people that I would recommend highly, I am joined by the great Shooter Hunt, the great David Seifert. Now, official titles can be a little formal. You know, we all know Seif is the director of credibility uh, at D1 Baseball, and and Seif has a has a fancy title at Prep Baseball, and Shooter's got a fancy title at Prep Baseball. But let, let's talk about credibility for a second. Seif is one of the only humans I know that's been a cross checker for an MLB organization, and has been a Division One head coach and a junior college head coach, mind you, um, and pitched in the Big Ten. The great Shooter Hunt is someone who was a first-round pick, 31st overall pick in 2008. He's a Jersey guy, so I, I could probably just stop right there. And on top of that, Shooter is someone who transferred and you know went started at Virginia, then went to Tulane, just rocked it at Tulane. Obviously, that's why he's a first-round pick. So in this day and age, Shooter is an expert on all those things. But in, in all, uh, all kidding aside, Shooter knows the high school scene better than anybody. Um, and, and again, the, 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 we're going to talk about draft-eligible sophomores first. And I, I think this is something that kind of goes back to their high school days. But, uh, gentlemen, before we jump in there, how are we doing? Good to see you guys. Thanks for having us, Ruins. This is great. Yeah, Ruins. We just yeah. got back from our, uh, our leadership meetings in, in Las Vegas, Nevada, Shooter and I. So we spent Tuesday through Thursday uh, with prep baseball and uh, some meetings. But uh, we're back all in one piece and, and ready to go this week. Okay, so both you guys need to answer this. Scale of 1 to 10, and we're thinking about future leadership meetings for prep baseball. Vegas is the host of that event. Um, 10 means absolutely we should do it there every year. One means we should never go back there and, and don't tell any any uh, family members that we ever had the meeting there. 10 means we should every year. One means never again. Shooter? I'd go seven. <laughs> seven. So maybe once every three years. 
Well, well, like and that. the only the only issue being that Alaska just added a direct from Portland to Nashville, so Nashville is now on my uh, my radar. Oh yeah, Nashville can't go wrong. And, there. and I vote uh, maybe a five or six. I'm fully in the ABCA model where you rotate it from region uh -huh. to region each year, so that has my vote. Yeah, I I think Phoenix is Phoenix gives you a lot of what Vegas gives you, but it's not as expensive as Vegas has become very expensive. Mm -hmm. yeah. But um, it does have the weather, and it it is you know it's hard to have a bad time in Vegas. So anyway, all right, boys, let's talk about we want to talk about the, the, this this podcast right here. We want to talk about draft eligible sophomores. It's an interesting list because the names on the list are interesting. But Saif, as we kind of chatted over notes ahead of this this podcast. You wrote something very interesting that draft-eligible sophomores in college are a group that goes from kind of less leverage as a high school player to more leverage as a draft-eligible sophomore. And we know leverage makes a big difference. Hey, leverage is the key word in any negotiation. And for a player that's negotiating a signing bonus into professional baseball, leverage matters. So tell me why you said that, Saif. What, tell us about leverage for draft-eligible sophomores. Well, you essentially go from being old for your class in high school. If you're a 19 year old prep in high school, you know, let's just say you turn 19 in June and, you know, and then the drafts in July. So you go from being an older high school guy to fast forward for two years. And now if you turn uh, 21 within uh, by August 1st, I believe mm -hmm. um, now you're sophomore eligible for the, that current year draft. So now these guys are, they just completed their sophomore year. They're young. So they, they go in from having less leverage as an old guy, older guy to a, a younger guy in, in, in that year's draft as a sophomore eligible. So they really just turn the tables. Um, and I think the, it seems like there's more and more of the better players are sophomore eligibles. I mean, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, I don't think parents – I say parents. I mean, they're all. It used to be just what in Oklahoma and Texas, where you had where you had the 19 year old high school senior. But now I think it's a countrywide thing. So I think the parents have seen the benefits of not only you know for the major league baseball draft. I think that's way off in the way way off for a lot of people. But just the fact of a college scholarship. I mean, let's face it: if you're bigger, stronger, faster, um, you have a better chance of of, of getting a, a scholarship or whatever sport it may be. So a longer answer. You know me; I got some long wins sometimes. It's but good. Uh, I think that's just part of the formula. Like a lot of people are holding back, if you will, their their kids, uh, especially th their boys, uh, from you know attending kindergarten as a five year old. Now they're just making definitely a six year old. So I know Shooter has more insight too. Yeah. So Shooter, let me let me frame it this way. Do you think that's like if I'm an advisor, like uh, that would be part of my calculus if I'm hey if I'm a college coach, I w I would be attractive to these future draft eligible sophomores because I could say to the family. Look, you you even if you only played here for two years, you'll have maximum draft leverage. It, are you seeing that trend? I, well, I, I think we're shows mostly. I mean, it's kind of compounded in this year's draft with all these thirty-plus draft sophomores who are pretty premium. We're going to talk about this. Some guys at LSU who we expected to be first rounders out of high school, but now I only have to go for two years. I can be on campus. I mean, the track record of these college guys to have that success at the big league level is now starting to really shine. Um, so it's a nice excuse to not ride dirty buses in the Sally league and instead take chartered flights in the sec. Yeah. And, and I like talking about the sec in particular, like 
you could I'm going to take a shot at the Tampa Bay Rays. I don't it's a wonderful organization. Like it might be the most well-run organization in all professional sports. However, Tropicana Field would be I don't know the 15th ranked facility in the SEC, right? Like it's it's just I mean I'm I'm being dramatic, but no, I'm no, not like not, that though. far off, right? Like it's you know, it's I've it's been not, to those stadiums and the, a lot of them draw way better than they do in Tampa throughout the year, so Yeah. Yeah, no, no question about it. Hey, so let's do this. I, I have some questions about some of these players, but let's just start with a with a personal fave. So, Saif, let's start with you. Give me one uh, guy on this this list of draft eligible sophomores who's like a personal favorite of yours, and why? Um, man, there's so many of them, but the one that stands out for me, um, I saw him play last year as a freshman at the Pac-12 tournament, was Austin Overn, um, center fielder from USC. Um, I just like his game. I mean, he's an impact talent. There's so many of these guys on here that are impact talents, but as a, a former leadoff hitter, <laughs> mm. center fielder, I just got a, a special affinity for, for over and just seeing him last year. And this is a kid, I think if you, if you go back to like USC and read his bio, the guy played football one year. He was like all state, all everything in football. He played <clears throat> track one year. And I think he won the 100-meter dash in California or something. But any sport he plays, and it was just for one year, he said just crazy success. He went to – he played football at USC as a freshman and then played, obviously, baseball his freshman year. But uh, he's my definite guy. He's an 80 runner. He impacts the game um, really from home to first. But he's also got that 20 strength where he can drive the ball to all fields. Uh, right center is obviously more um, than left – left center at this point just because he still pulls off a little bit and he will be a uh, stolen base threat once he just has some more experience and develops his instincts further but I mean he is just as good as guys like Dakota Jordan are with their twitchy strength and their monster bat speed I just think Austin Overn is a leadoff guy center fielder um, you know he, he's a big league everyday guy for me. Saif, I have heard people say that his speed you know I mean this is kids fast enough to be a walk-on receiver on SC's football team right and that's that's a pretty good position group. Like that's as USC is not needing receiver help, right? Like they recruit that position fairly well, but I've heard people say like, you don't even need a stopwatch to see over in speed. And he had 14 triples last year, which looks like a misprint. Is that a fair way to say it? That like, you could just, you can see his run tool with your, you don't even need a stopwatch. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, just he's twitchy. He's, he's strong. Athletes like him, like he and Dakota Jordan, you don't see too many of those guys in college. Um, and, you know, those two are, you know, Overn has some work to do to be, uh, you know, bat to ball skills. It's not like he strikes out a ton, but just can sit more consistent, hard contact. But like you said, 14 triples, who gets 14 triples? So, um, yes, for my favorite, it's definitely Austin Overn. Yeah, just, oh, go ahead, sure. Super high and Overn coming out of high school, too. It was, the freak athleticism, but his ground force, his ability kind of runs angry, can really get out of the box. Um, and then Sife just touched on it, 14 triples, kind of steps away from football, just the ability to get to that high ceiling quicker. Um, he's had a huge fall too. I've seen a lot of triples online throughout the fall too. It's amazing. My, my Notre Dame football, Irish, we need Austin over and playing receiver for us right now. Like we have a walk-on <laughs> lacrosse player playing as our number one receiver. But I digress. Shooter, who's your favorite? One of your favorites on this list? You know what? There are like thirty on here that I, I love all of them. One that's kind of I would say a little bit more quiet 
because he's not in the SEC, is a kid named Eli Serrano at NC State. And I'm expecting big things out of NC State this year. And with the cognition test, like that pitch recognition and decision-making stuff, that's something that Serrano is showing at a young age. Uh, he came out in the draft with a kid named Roman Anthony, who went, I want to say the Red Sox, had a huge first full year, um, got over $2 million, big-time hitter that we loved internally. They were kind of thought of in the same breath. Serrano gets to school. Anthony's doing a great job professionally. I'd expect Serrano to have that type of year. If you're talking about a power hitter, uh, or if you add some more power this year, you're sneaking into that back half of the first round just because of that bat tool. Mm, I love that. He he is so interesting because he is thin. You know, like the, the, mm-hmm. that that physique is, you know, it, it's one of – let me ask you this, Saif. Put your scouting hat on for a second. And, and Shooter, you're in this realm too. Like when you see Eli Serrano – like, do we assume that he can put a bunch of weight and strength on? Or is there, like, do we have to be a little bit more discretionary than that and say, hey, is he just like a thin-boned kid that maybe there, you know do you know what I'm saying? Like, there are some skinny people that can put on a ton of weight and strength, and there's others that that's just always who they're going to be. I don't think he's got to put on 50 pounds, you know? Just that right. natural progression of the frame, even 10 to 15 pounds will help him in the next three to four years. Um, it, it doesn't have to be too much. I think of just the way the swing works, kind of those old time Clemson hitters was a Tyler Colvin back in the day, about 15, 20 years mm. ago. Um, those guys could just smooth strokes. And I, I don't know, I, I think he's going to have a monster year and we won't, we'll be looking back at this saying like we were way low on him. Yeah. NC state's got a really good club too. Like they're going to be, they're going to be very fun. Hey, so Saif, let me, let me, I'm going to pick Dakota Jordan. And I think I'm, I'm looking at the D1 site right now. And if I'm reading it correctly, his strikeout rate uh, last year was about 25%. So, so I have a two-part question for you guys. Uh, you're going to take se- the second part shooter and Saif, you're going to take the first part. Um, part one is what do we need his whiff rate to be, his strikeout rate, Saif, for him to be like a legit first round candidate? I'm thinking about like a kid like Chase Davis who had every tool you could ever want. But we we just need him to make more contact if we're going to be confident taking him in the first round. He did that. Um, part two for you shooters going to be like, who was Dakota Jordan in high school? Because Saif alluded to it. Like this dude is a freakish athlete. Like they don't they don't make Dakota Jordans for college baseball very often. It is very hard to get an athlete of that size and explosiveness to the to a college campus. So Saif, you first. What on the whiff rate? Where? where What's a comfortable number for you to, to feel like, okay, that kid's a first rounder now? I don't know about first rounder, but I, well, I mean, I'm, I'm traditional. There's, there hasn't been too many, if any college players that have whiffed more than 20% of the time uh, during their draft year that have went on to become like a meaningful big leaguer. Yeah. Yeah. They went on to become big leaguers, but um, the only guy I know that whiffed and he didn't whiff in his draft year, but Ryan Braun with like 25% his freshman year, I think it's 20% his sophomore year. And then he got it down to like 17 or 18% his, his draft year. Um, and, and then went on to become more than just a up down, you know, cup of coffee, big leaguer. So again, long answer to your question, but 20% whiff weight for me would be the absolute maximum for him. But I think we can break it down even more, you know, with the help of our, our partners at six, four, three, um, you know, things like that with the whiff percentage on pitches in the zone and out of the zone. I mean, kind of like, Caglione, I mean, he needs a cut down of chasing balls out of zone, right? But his whiff rate on balls on pitches in the zone is really, really good. And I just think for Jordan, if he's not swinging and missing that pitches in the zone, but he's still striking out 21, 22% of the time, 
that's just a chase thing. And I think guys can develop that uh, obviously way better than they can swing with some balls in the zone. So um, there's no absolute right here. Generally, I'd say 20%, but then the, the, the more granular stats are going to tell the real story. Yep. All right, Shooter, uh, tell, tell us why Dakota Jordan is playing college baseball. Like, how did, how did this kid find his way to us? And by the way, we're thrilled about it. Like, I can't wait to watch him play this year. Oh, he's outstanding. And, and to add to Sype, just the whiff rate, the progression from freshman to sophomore year, I think back to rest in peace, Bob Knight. But the best thing about freshmen is that they become sophomores. And the advancements in that one year it, are usually where you see the massive prospects break through. Um, but Dakota Jordan, a lot of the times he was a two two sport kid, went to state as as a football player, was going to do some stuff there in the fall. And when you have those two sport guys, a lot of times they get thrown out Bo Jackson. He's the next Bo Jackson, which we've had a ton in the past. Hey, this guy's a two sport guy, Bo Jackson. Dakota Jordan is the closest thing to a Bo Jackson. It's just freakish athleticism and his ability to create that quickness in a tight window is what really stands out to me. That's how he got to campus. Uh, guys didn't get into CM, wasn't a huge mainstay on the summer circuit, kind of quietly, um, not not super quiet, but just wasn't loudly in the national landscape. He was a top 50 prospect for us in the country, so we were very high on him, of course, uh, but didn't play in the strongest Mississippi high school league. So to, to really go out on a limb and take that guy, especially with a strong commitment to Mississippi State, I think that's how he got to campus, and they're thankful that he did get there. Um, and in watching him a lot throughout the, over the course of the last year, as a pitcher, you look at it like this is the time for me to do this, especially with two strikes. And there's a lot of things that he does and the quickness of the hands where you cannot beat him. And there's mistakes that he hits. And if you look dope, we did dive a little bit deeper into his stats. He hit better in SEC play than he did over the course of the whole year. So there were advancements throughout the year. I know he sat down for a little bit came back in, ended up hitting in the three hole for a state team, which, you know, what wasn't great last year, a freshman who's sitting in the three hole going up against SEC draft arms, not an easy thing to do. Um, but it, it is like you said, runes, we don't see guys like that get on campus often. So hopefully these football teams keep bringing these great players to campus like Overn and Dakota Jordan. Yeah. I, I, um, at the Frisco. Hey, rooms. Oh, hey, go ahead. Go ahead hey, rooms. Yep. I was going to say, if Shooter gets to drop a, a Bo Jackson on Dakota Jordan, I, I, I need to drop I need to drop a Corbin Carroll, although Corbin Carroll's left left and Austin Overn's left right. Um, I need to drop a Corbin Carroll on Austin Overn. It's only fair enough. I yeah. Think. No. 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 So like, just to give people a better idea of what like maybe yeah. what maybe he looks like yeah. and plays like. I I would say like like um I love that comp. Overn is faster than Carroll for me, but not as skilled baseball wise yet. You think it's a fair way to say it? Well, shoot, the guy was playing five sports sure. in high school. Yeah, yeah. very, very <laughs> Overn was, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, one, one year at a yeah. time. <laughs> Go yeah. get him. So great. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break from our discussion to hear a couple ads from our sponsors. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. 
Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Meet Gail. Her thing is being a supermom, and supermom has a lot on her supersized plate. <laughs> Ain't that the truth. But at Walmart Pharmacy, Supermom recently got her whole family updated on all their vaccines. We knocked it out during a grocery run. No appointment. That's Next Level Supermom. From pneumonia to shingles, HPV, and more, get no-cost vaccinations from an expert pharmacist where you already shop. Welcome to an easier pharmacy. Welcome to your Walmart. $0 copay with most insurances. State age and health restrictions may apply. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. All right, let me pick. I'm going to pick a player for each of you guys right now. Uh, uh, Shooter, I'm going to ask you about Paxton Kling in a second. Uh, Saif, I want you to uh, – so, so we've got a report from Joe Healy and Mark Etheridge on Colby Shelton this fall that says – like the, the report blew me away. When I saw Colby Shelton last year, I thought he was a very nice player, right? He hit 25 home runs as a freshman. He only hit 300. I know I'm a little bit of a dinosaur, but batting average still matters to me for a college player. Like I want to know that you get hits. Um, and, and you know, if you're going to be like a future big leaguer, you should hit for a high average in college. That's my opinion. Um, you know, you, you should, if you're a big leaguer, you should kind of overwhelm college pitching is what is what I think. So he hit 300, he hit 25 home runs. It's a big number. He was not very good at third base. And what I worried about is he's pretty heavy-legged last year as a freshman. Now the reports come in this fall, safe on Colby Shelton. Now that he's at Florida, he's gone from Alabama to Florida. And he's he. I saw a picture. He's leaned up. And they say he's playing an adequate shortstop. And Florida is going to run him out as their shortstop. I mean, for me, safe that changes who he is as a prospect, like, almost 180 degrees, but I, I want your take. You've got a more trained eye than I do. What have you thought about these reports we're hearing on Colby Shelton so far this fall? I think your take is right on. I mean, he went from a, <clears throat> a fringy defender at third base to also a guy who can play shortstop. Um, you don't see that very often. I mean, it has happened before, but I mean, that is a different, that is a different guy as far as what the draft values and, and what he profiles, you know, into the future. But I think the, his biggest question mark, with that all said, he hit 25 home runs. I think his biggest question mark still comes down to um, making quality contact against the fastball, against anything like an, an average fastball on up. Um, I think it wasn't very hot last year against 92 plus. And I think all eyes are going to be on like, hey, can Shelton turn around 95? You know, can he can he survive against the better fastballs? But uh, certainly his defensive Profile has been raised immensely, um, and I have not. I did not get a chance to see him this fall. I know Mark covered Florida for us, um, and so did Joe. But uh, I'm certainly looking forward to see what he can do at shortstop, and also, you know, in the batter's box again. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, his dad is a high school coach. His dad certainly played college baseball, so I'm always a sucker for stories like that. So, Siphon Shooter, I'm going to give you guys before you do Paxton Kling Shooter. Um, I'm going to give you guys a trivia, like a, an over under question. I posed to the other D one guys. Um, this question is this Florida now has Brody Denae who transferred from Virginia tech. They've got Colby Shelton who came in from, uh, Alabama and they've got CAGS. 
So my the over-under is 2.5. 2.5 is your over-under. How many Florida Gators will hit 25 or more home runs this year? 2.5 is the over-under. How many Florida Gators? Oh, my gosh. They got Luke Heyman could do it, too, yeah. right? Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Did you say easy overshooter? Yeah. Easy over. Even Cade Curlin. I think Cade Curlin had like 14 last year, didn't he? Yeah, that's he? right. He's got sneaky juice. 25 feels like a guy a lot for a guy his size, but he can hit. I'd be curious to see how much Cags gets pitched to for him to get the opportunity to hit 25, but I think those other guys can do it. Yeah. He doesn't. He won't take the walk, though, shooter. Like Cags' attitude towards walks is no thank you. He, if they're he, not going to give him the choice anymore. Well, they're going to have to throw it in the dugout then. because yeah, Or put four fingers up. Safe, what say you? Over or under? I gotta go the over two. Yeah, I'm a shooter. Yeah. I think there's there's enough. There's probably five of them that could potentially do it. So heck, you only have to be batting. Well, only have to have three of the five come through. Runes, yeah, these over. balls are still juiced. I'm seeing the exit velos <laughs> come from the the data team throughout the fall. They're all juiced. Oh, I agree. I agree. These balls this fall. There's no way you're hitting a no way some of these guys are hitting a ball 115 miles per hour off the bat. So yeah. And in in fairness, everything's juiced. The you know, the players are bigger, the fastballs are hotter, the bats are perfectly manicured to create exit velocity. The balls are hot. Like it's it's the perfect hitting environment. There's just no question about it. All right. So shooter, let's talk about Paxton Kling. I'm I'm pretty smitten with him, considering he's a Pennsylvania kid who's barely played. Like, he hardly played at all for LSU last year. It sounds like he barely played in the Cape this summer, but I, I I know he can run. I stood next to him in Omaha, and I couldn't believe how big he was. I He's a big kid. Tell me what you got on Paxton Kling, Shooter. And, he, and he's not slow either. He was our number one on-campus guy coming out of high school. So we, we fully expected this guy's got lots of like. We knew he was going to be a draft soft, so we thought there was a chance he could get to LSU. And I, loved it. I had a lot of conversations this summer um, with some coaches and some scouts just about his process. So he gets to school. It's not his fault. They were just stacked in the outfield. And honestly, a big reason for him not getting those at-bats last year was the fact that he hit right-handed. Dylan mm-hmm. Cruz was right-handed. Tommy White's right-handed. They were trying to break it up. Josh Pearson's an excellent ball player. Um, but really gave them a chance, he and Cade Beloso, to get some left-handed hitters into the lineup. Then they go to Omaha. It extends him. So he loses out on 50, probably 40, 50 at-bats in the Cape in that two-week cycle. Now every college baseball player would trade 30 at-bats in the Cape for the ring that they got. Um, but it slowed down his process. Now you go back to Baton Rouge. You have your parade. You, you get all that stuff. You don't get up to the Cape until you know after July 4th or so. You don't get as many at-bats. The reps aren't there. So he is definitely behind there. I think the scouts who got to see him in high school, his bat-to-ball ability, his speed, which at 6'3", I think he's 215 now. Getting into high school or coming out of high school, we talked about him very similar to Dylan Cruz. Now, we don't want to put that kind of pressure on somebody because Dylan Cruz is you know, a Buster Posey-like talent where we're going to look back at his stats and what he did in college in a historical sense. But he did have that type of skill set, really good defender, big time arm. Um, but in high school, coming out of PA, he would go up against the big time arms and he always gave great at bats. The bat, the ball was there, the power potential, just kind of those freakish metrics off the barrel. Um, so I think LSU fans are going to hope for that. What's great for Kling and the fact that he did get his, uh, his growth stunted a little bit last year is the fact that Tommy White will be there. So just like Shelton at Florida, who's going to have that protector behind him, Kling should see some pitches. 
And honestly, with what they did at Dylan Cruz leading off last year, Paxton Kling's probably going to lead off, which I don't know. If I'm pitching and I'm grooving a fastball 0-0 to start the game, the box gets mighty small out there against Paxton Kling. Yeah, he's exciting. I, and again, I can't I can't stress enough. Like you stand next to him and he looks a little skinny on TV, but um man, he is that, that is it looks like a football athlete, honestly. And, and a lot of times you you lose sight of those the freshmen. Oh, this guy's amazing. They're coming back. Like Eli Serrano got a lot of at bats. Austin Overn. Hey, Paxton Kling didn't play, but that doesn't mean that his skill was just gone, evaporated. Yeah. It was still there and he that's why I think he's probably got the highest ceiling of any of these guys coming yeah. for this year. And to put a bow on that, we've got a very interesting track record recently of players that uh, got really no playing time as freshmen that have become stars in college baseball. Looking at you, Wyatt Langford, basically in the big leagues already. Uh, looking at you, Charlie Condon, Carter Graham. I mean, it's it's a big list of kids that barely played. Next thing you know, they're first team All-Americans. So, uh, boys, before I want to want to wrap with each of us picking a pitcher. Before we do that, I want to say thanks to our uh, other sponsor, which is Pitch Logic. It's a system used by players, coaches, scouts, and instructors at all levels of play from youth leagues all the way to the big leagues. It's easy to use, and it's an affordable technology. It makes the platform accessible to every player at every level, all the metrics and features that are being used at the very highest level of our sport. See pitchlogic.com for more information. Again, that's pitchlogic.com for more info, and, and thanks again to those folks. So, uh, Gentlemen, let's do this. Let's wrap with a pitcher. The list is is chock full of position players, but there's some really good arms on here too. Saif, give us a pitcher on this draft eligible sophomore list that jumps out at you. I'm gonna go with one that I've seen the best and probably know the best. Um, he's Yo- Yoel Tejada Jr. He's now at Florida State. He was at Florida last year. Um, I don't know how many at bats he got, but he just got a handful of innings. But two way guy. Um, I like athletes. Uh, this is a six foot eight, 215 pound athlete moves really well, obviously uh, long, loose athletic. Um, I saw him in the Cape this summer in what mid July. I may have seen his best downing because coming into the game, I think he had maybe a 70 RA, but I just saw him sit down. Um, geez, uh, help me out here. Chatham. Uh, now Chatham didn't have their best team that they've ever had, but uh, I mean, Tahada just mowed through them, um, mostly with his fastball. He'll, he'll run it up to 96. He'll touch three and four. The slider's there. He's got feel for it. He can, he can spin it. It just, doesn't la- it just doesn't have that late action snap or dive or, or depth or whatever you want to throw on your slider um, as far as movement. Uh, but he did control it. He threw it for strikes. And then the, the third pitch, um, you know, it's a work in progress. But uh, he did have some swing and miss throughout the game. But I really like him. 6'8", 215, sophomore eligible, Yoel Tejada, uh, now at Florida State. And that makes sense why he would struggle to get innings at Florida. I mean, for a lot of reasons. They had a great staff. But he sounds like he's he's really a front-end guy right now, Saif. Like, you want to give him the ball and give him some space to settle into a game, it sounds like. Yeah, exactly. Run him out there, um, you know, midweek. Maybe he starts, you know, on a Tuesday or Wednesday, the first half of the season, and kind of go from there. Um, I'm not, I mean, his, his top end for me though, is, you know, he's a top 50 overall pick. If things click for me, he's that athletic, his arm works that well. Um, he just needs to brush up on the tightness, sharpness, the bite of his slider, um, and his, in this fastball command, it's, it's not all over the place, but guys like him just need to go out there and keep pitching, keep pitching, keep it. He's an athlete. I mean, he is an athlete. I believe he's dropped the position player, uh, the two, you know, the two way role from his uh, resume and ju- is just going to pitch now, but, uh, Florida State did an excellent job of bringing over, bringing in some, whether they're portal arms like Tejada or Juco arms, 
um, like Gavin Adams, and then they got another lefty. I forgot his name. He's from Gulf Coast, Florida, junior college. But uh, Dorsey is his last name. But Florida State did a really good job of bringing in some some really good arms. But uh, and with just 50 more innings, Tejada, he, he's he's a day one guy for me. Love it. Shooter, who's an arm on this list that you like? You know, I thought Seif was going to go with him because he did see him. But Tristan Smith, uh, left-hander mm-hmm. from Clemson, um, he was another guy we were super high on coming out of high school. It's unteachable stuff. He's left-handed, big frame, athletic, played a lot of football in high school. The, the one thing coming out of high school was the fact, is he going to throw enough strikes? So we knew the breaking ball was there, the swing and miss. The ability to get whiffs in the zone was clearly there. Did better this or this or last year. Jimmy Bellinger does an excellent job with arms um, there at Clemson, but then goes up to the Cape. I think it was like 35 strikeouts and 27 innings, only 10 walks. So everything started to look like a starter. And a, a guy like that who has the higher ceiling, we could by the midway point be talking about a top 15 type pick. If he's 95, 97, throwing a breaking ball, striking out one and a half to an inning. In the ACC, it's going to be hard for us not to start reconsidering him, especially as a draft soft, as, as a top 15 pick. So I expect Tristan Smith, if not starting on Fridays, I think they probably start him on Saturday or Sunday to start off the year. But by the end, that's a guy they want to go head-to-head with the best in the SEC. Yeah, yeah. I, I had Jimmy Bellinger on our Sunday night conversation podcast this week, and I asked him for a player that's maybe – under the radar right now that needs to not be under the radar and he said look this is not like people are talking about him but he said Tristan Smith is that guy like he like you said shooter like he go from high leverage bullpen arm last year to like Friday night guy and dominating people especially in that year and I mean everything's so analytical which why at prep baseball we're so committed to the the tech side of things and when you see what kind of stuff that those guys can produce and a lot of guys on this draft eligible soft list um they have that type of upside and that's why teams invest in stuff like that. I know we were ragging on the Rays early, but I don't think anybody really identifies the talent of that type of upside where this guy can do this. We can get tons of value out of it. There's a big reason why Tristan Smith was at the, one of the top arms to get to campus. And now it's kind of coming to fruition. Yep. No question. Hey, uh, let's wrap with this name. You guys, I'm not sure who of you have seen them, but and I want to I want to figure out how to pronounce the last name. Is it Cade Cade Obermiller? His dad was a big leaguer. I should know how to pronounce it. Is it Mueller or Miller? Sife? <laughs> I'm asking the wrong guy. You're asking the wrong guy. But I've always went with Mueller because I saw his father Wes in college. I'm, I'm that old, but uh, yeah, um, I go with Mueller. Did his Did his dad did Wes pitch at Iowa too, or somewhere yes. different? Right. Yeah. Right. He was a righty though at Iowa. Yes. Yeah. So Saif, when I, and I'd love both of your guys' comments on Cade, when I, I saw him one time last year, very early in his freshman year, it was fine. You know, the problem was Iowa's pitching was so like out of control good that it was very, like, I, I feel like after you're watching Brecht and Marcus Morgan that weekend, you're like, whatever, Ovin Miller, right? It's like, <laughs> sure, you're fine. Right. It's like, I'm already, I, I can't get my mind off of Brecht. Um, but like this is like a lefty with a weird slot up to 97. His whiff rates on his individual pitches are like outrageous. Like I think I, I read Saif his fastball. The average fastball in Division One baseball is a whiff rate of like 18%. His fastball has like a 41% whiff rate. I mean, just comical. Like that's 2x of the norm. W- what's your take on him, Saif? It sounds like he could be a first round pick very easily too if he keeps progressing. 
Um, I think, well, I mean, I think he pro when you see how he does it, he's five, what shooter, five, 10, five, 11. So he's not mm -hmm. a large man. So, okay. and then how he does it, um, is very reliever-ish. Um, <clears throat> but all that aside, it's definitely first round stuff. I mean, it's up to 97 and the fastball has like every part that you can grade it. It has the velocity, it has the movement, it has the different arm angle for some deception. So I mean, he's, and it's also effectively wild, you know? He's going to pipe you one, but you're not going to be ready for it because the other one just went sailed up and away. So right. he's got everything you need to produce whiffs. Um, it just needs to be refined. He's got a dirty breaking ball. Um, he's competitive as can be. He, he's got a lot of great things. I hope he ends up a first rounder. I, I At this point, just the package needs a, maybe a, some more refinement. But, I mean, super talented, super, super talented with an invisible swing this fastball for sure. It any of those that those frame lefties, I always equate to where's Christian Chamberlain? Where is he on the Christian Chamberlain list of striking out 15 against SEC teams? Um, but that Iowa team runes. I mean, Sean McGrath came in from the Mariners organization, another Jersey guy, really good analytical data guy who's done a great job developing arms. They're in good hands and they can shorten some games in a hurry. I would not want to see them in a super regional. Yeah, and Roots, I, th I think a good comparison for you, uh, the West Coast guy, and, and you guys can tell me wrong, but I guess, Shooter, you're from the state, but is uh, her Jerpy? Jerpy? I'm sorry. Oh, hey, Jerpy, Jerpy, Jerpy. Lose the H. Jerpy. Jerpy. Thank you. So, you know me on last names, but I think that's kind of, and he was a first rounder, so I get it, but like that, but he had a track record of just strike throwing and for, you know, for in the Pac-12 and on and on, but that's a similar type of look and swing miss lefty. So. He's got a way better breaking ball, though, over Mueller. So it's uh, runes. I was in my eight for Omaha. So we'll, we'll get to that. Oh, simple. love that. Love that. That is that's a that's an awesome pick. It's it's so funny. You, I didn't realize Sean McGrath was a Jersey guy shooter because um, I, another Sunday night conversation I had this fall was with Corey Muscara. And uh, and he mentioned Sean McGrath as really the guy that helped him dive into analytics you know Corey had been raised by ed blankmeyer you know like in that old school mm -hmm. like you know uh, like that's a coaching tree you want to be part of ed blankmeyer right but you're asking the question like moose you're like a northeast guy with the all the tough talk like how'd you become this scientist too and sean mcgrath was really a, a key part of Corey's, um you know moose's development as a pitching coach i i think the College baseball industry needs to get on the, the Sean McGrath train because he does bring a lot to the table and kind of behind the scenes. I'm glad Moose said that because it's probably one of the top five, 10 guys in college baseball pitching wise with analytics. Yeah. And, and uh, we'll wrap with this. Sean McGrath was the best, uh, best dressed pitching coach I saw last year. Socks up with the black and gold Iowa Jordans. I mean, it would just talk about elite, elite, elite. It was, you know, <laughs> look good, coach good type of thing so uh gentlemen well done this was a good teaser um this will be a, a piece and a list that will be out on the website at some point in the near future correct Sife? correct yep and so look out for that i mean obviously draft eligible sophomore this is um it's not a new development but sure is, is something that's trending to be very very impactful in, in college baseball so uh that is it everyone have a great week and we will catch you next time on the d1 baseball podcast the D1 Baseball Podcast is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, 
Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Meet Gail. Her thing is being a supermom. And supermom has a lot on her supersized plate. <laughs> Ain't that the truth. But at Walmart Pharmacy, supermom recently got her whole family updated on all their vaccines. We knocked it out during a grocery run. No appointment. That's Next Level Supermom. From pneumonia to shingles, HPV, and more, get no-cost vaccinations from an expert pharmacist where you already shop. Welcome to an easier pharmacy. Welcome to your Walmart. $0 copay with most insurances. State age and health restrictions may apply.